0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. To a new episode of Is A Groom's Life and today I have with me a lady who was a groom and has now transferred into a dressage rider and coach so I have Bert Sheffield. Hi Bert, how are you doing? Hi Carly, how are you? Yes, great, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me on the podcast, I really appreciate it. Um, so let's just start if, I mean, I've just done a brief introduction there, but if you can introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you do now um, and, and what you've done before. Hi, um,
1: I'm, I'm Bert Sheffield. I am a 40-year-old Canadian Paralympian who was born and raised in the UK, um, but I'm a dual national, so I have both Canadian and UK passports. And I, after university, I knew I wanted to carry on doing something with horses. So I looked for a working pupil role and I was a working pupil stroke apprentice. But because it was back in back in the day, it was before the apprenticeship role had really kind of got formalized and how it is now. Yeah. So I was a working pupil stroke apprentice for the British team dressage rider Gareth Hughes for just under two years. And then I went and worked for several other international dressage riders and learned a bit more. Um, and I mean, in that role, it was pretty much groom with an element of riding as a working pupil. Mm. Um, rather than as a sort of trainee rider with an element of mucking out. It was yeah. definitely working on the yard and doing a bit of riding as required. And then after that, I, I ended up branching out on my own. I ended up going a bit freelance. Um, I, my disability was getting to the point where I really couldn't work at a commercial speed. on the yards anymore I was very fortunate that Gareth took me on because as someone with a disability you you don't it's very easy for someone to think oh this is not someone I want to employ Mm. as a working pupil or as a groom Mm. so I always felt I had to prove that I knew what I was doing I was useful I was um efficient yeah. I was economically viable. So I, I worked really hard and I learned a lot. But after about four years of working on yards like that, I, um, it, I was really struggling with being commercially viable as a groom. Yeah. So I started looking more at coaching and I was still able to ride and train horses and do that stuff. So I started working more for my, myself and it enabled me to have the flexibility that I could look after my body a little bit more mm. because working on, on yards is always, you know, it takes its toll. You have yeah. to look after yourself because, you know, it is very physical manual work, isn't it? Um, I really went from there and it was Gareth that actually suggested that I try para-dressage. So I did, because you do what your boss tells you to do, so I went <laughs> and that led me down the path towards the Paralympics. I took part at the 2016 Rio Paralympics with a horse double agent, um, and before that I did the World Equestrian Games in Can- in Normandy in 2014, and then I did the Tryon World Equestrian Games in 2018. 20- 18 in America so I've been it's yeah it's led me into a really interesting life path I think
0: yeah yeah definitely and it just sort of shows that like one door closes and another one opens doesn't it really especially um especially in in all aspects of life but obviously the groom work wasn't um it, it, you know, physically, it just wasn't going to be something you could sustain for much longer. So it was just finding another route where you're still working with horses and keeping with that passion, um, with via coaching and riding. So, was dressage your discipline before you sort of met Gareth, or was it, or, or did you have different disciplines that you preferred before them?
1: Um, I've always been sort of dressage showing those sort of flat disciplines more than the jumper side. I briefly worked for a little bit in show jumping. I briefly worked a little bit in eventing, but the flat disciplines are more my thing. Mm -hmm. And it's always been, I really enjoyed that sort of grooming, wonderful horses on beautiful yards, working with top lovely international horses um I like a little bit the pressure (laughs) and the um the exactness of it it really suits me and if I if my disability hadn't um sort of taken over in the way it has I would have really loved to have been able to continue that Mm. Um, it's just it's tough it's a hard lifestyle it's a lot of sacrifice but it's so rewarding and it's a kind of teamwork that I really enjoy because you are you're integral to what's going on yeah um but you're not absolutely in the spotlight yeah Uh, I love watching the elite level grooms working at the shows, seeing what they're doing, how they're doing it. That top level sports horse management piece is just, it's fascinating. I, I find whether it's the physiotherapy side of it or the nutrition side of it, or just the stable management side of it, it's just really interesting. Yeah. It's just so holistic and it's so important and, Yeah, Uh, grooms are amazing. I have some amazing grooms that I've worked with, both when I was working on yards and also that have worked for me, Mm -hmm. looking after my horses at the international shows because it's so difficult at the internationals because I can't really look after them myself because I have to to hand them over to someone else because I have to save my energy and my emotional strength for my competing. Yeah, I have to focus on my job as a rider. I can't be the groom as well. However much they are my horses and (laughs) they, you know, I look after them every day at home. Yeah. When I get to a big show, I have to go, right, okay, I have to not be chewed up chewing gum. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have to look after myself because I've got to be able to produce a performance and, having the self-discipline to actually hand your horse over to someone else even someone
0: you really trust and you really respect is actually harder than many people would realize yeah definitely I mean do you mind telling us what your disability is or would you rather not talk about it um I've been to an arthritis oh okay and is it something Um, you've always had or is it something that's just gradually crept on over the years well I was originally
1: I had the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis when I was 15. God. And I was 20 before I was diagnosed because the doctors didn't know what was going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so during my later school years and into university, I was in an awful lot of pain. I have the severe seronegative form, which means it's very erosive. And when it's act- you know, when it, when it's active, when it's flaring, it, it's very erosive on my system. Mm. Um, and, but it's seronegative, which means it doesn't show up in your blood. Oh, okay. It's more difficult to get the diagnosis on. It's sort of atypical in its behavior. So it, it was kind of, it kind of hides itself as something else, as other things, um, making it difficult to diagnose. Mm. But at the same time, it's merrily busily eating away at your body yeah but rheumatoid disease or rheumatoid arthritis is a systemic disease it's not a disease of the joints it's more of a blood disease because it's it's an autoimmune problem so it affects your um your heart your lungs your digestive system um as well as your joints and through various medications we have most amazing medications these days i was able to keep it fairly under control once once i got access to the right drugs yeah i was able to get it under control and you'll never reverse the damage that's done but you can prevent further damage happening yeah or slow it down they Mm -hmm. call it disease modification and that enabled me to keep going with my sort of physical life really yeah. well.
0: That's amazing. I mean, excuse my ignorance, but is it so? It doesn't sound like something that a young person typically has, or is it quite common in young people and it's just not recognized as much?
1: It's not very common in young people. Um, a lot of the population have the rheumatoid factor in their blood. And then it takes um, a traumatic life event or some other disease or some other thing happening to set the trigger off. Okay. And then the whole autoimmune disease kind of waterfall occurs. Yeah. So, sort of, it gets more common as you get older. Yes. And then you have some people like me who have the seronegative. Um, version where we don't actually have the factor in our blood but our body decides to produce an autoimmune disease that looks like we do Mm -hmm.
0: so I can imagine if you're feeling like run down or if you get a cold or something (coughs) like that that must affect you probably a lot more than what other people do
1: yeah um we tend to flare um where your your joints get it your joints get it Your your heart will get it a little bit if, if your heart's affected because everyone has it differently and it cycles yeah. around the body differently. So you tend to get illnesses, those sort of common little illnesses more often. You tend to get more infections more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tend to get sort of brain fog and sort of feeling unwell, but in an unspecified way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just like you're wading through treacle. Oh God.
0: Oh, yeah you get that's sort the of way
1: and, and there's often there's chronic fatigue um in there as well you get um for me I get a lot of dislocations good um so when I'm tired stressed run down then my joints will decide to join the party
0: yeah yeah I mean in competitions like um uh, a fairly you know. F- a fit abled person you know shows are still exhausting aren't they even um the mental side of it probably more than like your physical side of it so I can mm-hmm. imagine when you said earlier that you have to sort of store all your energy for that performance because if you're using it up elsewhere then when it comes to performance time or you know uh doing your test and things like that then you're not going to be at your full capacity at all and you, you need every every energy source that you've got to make sure you give the best performance you can give.
1: Yeah. You have to pace yourself and you also have to be aware of sort of, you have to know when you need to recharge a little bit. Um, I'm quite lucky in that I'm fairly, I've always been aware that there's an element of sort of detraining, to the rheumatoid in that because you feel crappy you feel like you don't want to do stuff and you don't want to move mm. so but if you're aware that you're not going to feel better the next day mm. then you kind of know that you just have to crack on with it
0: yeah yeah. Um yeah.
1: And there is no guarantee that tomorrow you're gonna to feel any better than you feel today. So if you don't do it today, there's no guarantee you're gonna do it tomorrow either. No, that's it. If you want to get it done, you have to get it done. Yeah. Um and it makes you very it can make you quite strong and I know I can get quite tough with other people because I'm having to be tough with myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it a case of quite often a you are mind over matter type? um person like even if you feel physically that you're not um you can't perform the best you can but mentally you have to get into that right mindset to sort of say I can do this I've got to do this
1: yeah you've got to be really determined um there's no you know there's almost no half measures with it because I know I've I feel like either I can curl up and die in the corner quietly and be well-behaved and sort of worries me, Um, or I can be sort of aggressive and tough on myself. And, yeah, sometimes I have to pay for it. But if I want to achieve stuff, if I want to enjoy my life, if I want the life that I feel is worth living for me, Mm -hmm. i have to i have to dig deep for it
0: yeah definitely and it and it just shows with the like the achievements that you listed just earlier i mean what an achievement to sort of go to the olympics and um you know i mean what better achievement is that than, anything else i mean are you in place to go to tokyo this year if it goes ahead
1: i'm really hoping so i'm um, I'm busy working with my horse, Barusa. Towards Tokyo, we are, we're out competing internationally when we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a good horse. She's on the Canadian National Team Programme. So we've got
0: a good chance of going. Excellent. How exciting if we can have some normality back and have some actual competitions mm. and things like that would be lovely to get you back so um so what so what made you sort of choose Canada over being a UK is it just because you just wanted to represent Canada more I always I've always been a dual national I was
1: born as a dual national and Canada is in many ways has always felt more like my country Canada has always the the mindset of Canada always seems to be more aligned with me mm-hmm. i have gone out there and trained out there quite a lot i've spent a lot of time out there i love it over there it's always been the land of milk and honey for me yeah because yeah it's it's the good place to go in my family, you know? Yeah. Um, I I just, I've had amazing coaching out there, fantastic times training out there. Um, and Canada have really looked after me and embraced me as an athlete,
0: mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah.
1: So it's a good fit for me.
0: Yeah. I've, I went to Canada um, uh, about three or four years ago. My friend lives out there. And uh, I hadn't seen her for about 10 years. So every year I keep saying, I'm going to come out and see you. And it just never happens. And I was like, right, this year I'm coming out to see you. And it's just such a beautiful country. People are just so nice. Um, And, oh, I just loved every minute of it. So I'm dying to get back out there again (laughs) when we can. But um, I loved it. And I message her all the time. And I always look at her weather in the winter. I just can't believe how cold it gets out there. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know how you survive. Because when it gets to minus four, the whole world stops here in England. But they can have temperatures down to minus 31 sometimes. And you just think, well, they managed to uh, carry on as normal.
1: Well, when you know it's coming, it's a lot easier to be prepared for it. And they've got the infrastructure for it, and the way they look after their horses is different, um, even to the elite horses. Mostly going down to Florida, not, yeah. not so much this winter, but usually, um, yeah, it, it's it's a different lifestyle. It's yeah. totally different lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Where in yeah. Canada did you go? Um, I flip. Well, we sort of travelled a little bit. She met me in Calgary, and we went to Banff for a few days and then we sort of just traveled back down to her hometown which is in Saskatoon or the town's called Mm -hmm. Saskatoon um but we just done like a couple of stops on the way down and then I stayed at her house for um about 10 days um and Banff was I fell in love with Banff I was like I could quite easily live here for the rest of my life it was just so beautiful (laughs) But, um, yeah, so hopefully I'm going to aim to go back out there next year, obviously depending on what happens, because I really like the Northern Lights out there or like the equivalent of Northern Lights. I'd love to see the Northern Lights out there. My parents
1: did. Um, They used to live up in the Yukon. Yeah. So they got to see the Northern Lights and it's stunning. Um, But Canada is so vast, you can go to... Every time I go to a different place in Canada, it's like going to a different country. Yeah, it's just so varied and just huge.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, it took us to from our last town down to her town. It was literally one, one road, and we just stayed on the, this one road for about. I think it took us in total about ten hours. <laughs> hmm. just, oh, but it was the one road, so it was dead easy, um, and hardly any traffic. Can you think, God? Um but, yeah, loved it out there um so, I wanted to ask you, obviously, you've talked briefly about obviously your previous career as a groom, so apart from the physical side of it, what was the pros and cons of being a groom um at that time? Hmm. well,
1: the very long hours and the fairly low pay, <laughs> yeah. Were- they would definitely be the cons um i had at that point it was it was not illegal i don't think for you not to have a contract so it was quite hard to get a contract out of your employer yeah um and it was yeah it was that sort of making sure everything was formalized and that you were being paid Correctly, and you had correct holiday pay, mm-hmm. and you had the correct that you weren't a freelancer, that you were actually, you know, treated as a proper employee. Yeah, um, I broke my hand quite badly, and I had to have time off sick for that to heal. And again, you know, it, I didn't experience that many problems, yeah. But there were problems at the time. It so was back in the middle two thousands. It was it was a challenge um, when I was looking for jobs after I left Gareth. Um, when I was you know looking for groom's jobs, looking for groom stroke rider jobs, it was a challenge making sure that all the things you needed, legality wise, were there mm-hmm. because. The horse industry doesn't like being told what to do by government, does it? No. It likes, it likes a bit of an informal kind of situation. Yeah. And in, actually, in the end, that doesn't really suit anyone. So it's definitely, that was a challenge. I mean, the, the pros, there's so many pros. The camaraderie of working with other grooms. Working in wonderful facilities with beautiful horses, getting to watch how some of the best in the world train. Yeah. There's so much you can learn by osmosis as well as by formal learning environment stuff. Yeah. Um, Most of my learning as a working pupil was done by osmosis. At Gareth, we had to walk every horse for 10 minutes in hand before they were warmed up for their ridden work. And we had to walk every horse for 10 minutes in hand after it had done its ridden work. So that was, for each horse, you had 20 minutes where you're walking it round and round the arena where you could absorb what was going on, work it all out. And if you had your eyes and your ears open, there was so much you could learn. Yeah. And enjoying the... For me, being in that high-performance environment was really enjoyable. I love that sort of stress. and Pedantic is often seen as a a negative. Yeah. pedantic in a in a positive way you know detail orientated
0: um yeah the stuff I really really enjoyed yeah and And I guess yeah I was just gonna say I guess you appreciate your groom a lot more because you know what it's like at the at that end of the scale so you appreciate the hard work that they do to uh get your horse ready for you Oh, absolutely.
1: I also know I intimidate them a bit because I can (laughs) turn around and go, actually, I can flap better than you. Um, Or are you really going to leave that bandage looking like that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They must love you when you come on the other, (laughs) like, oh, God, quick, quick, what can I get? (laughs) No.
1: Um, There are ways and means um but it's yeah i i really enjoy educating yeah people now whether that's educating them as riders or educating them um to help them groom for me yeah oh we've got a thunderstorm coming in oh there's really. the thunder in the background <laughs> excellent um the groom I took to the Rio Paralympics, I trained her. Yeah. She came. She's now a nurse, but she actually came and worked for me one day a week um, during her last year of university.
0: Wow. That's an amazing opportunity for anyone, isn't it, mm. to be in that environment and um, representing and, and things like that. It's, it's such a great opportunity.
1: Hmm it's if someone's got the right attitude it's really really lovely to be able to help them have an amazing life experience yeah and yeah. even if being a groom is not what they're ultimately going to do it, you learn so much you learn about yourself as well as you know the obvious looking after horses there's mm-hmm. you, you learn how to dig deep you learn what you can and can't do and the sense of achievement and I'm sure I mean Sophie seemed to me like she was really proud and really happy to be there at the Paralympics with her horse you know horse belonged to me but you know her horse yeah some amazing photos of her as part of the team with the rest of the teams and the stable manager and the vet all working together to make some really special memories and fantastic things happen
0: yeah amazing um okay so what is your top tip um so it could be a tip that's around the yard to make your life a bit easier or it could be a um turnout um so with platinum or stuff like that do you have a tip or a hack that other people might think oh that's a really good idea i might have to use that
1: Oh, I'm trying to think of this. I, I was dreaming these up, trying to think of things I do. Um, I think probably for me, efficiency is my biggest hack. Yeah. Is keeping your head straight so that you know, if you've got to walk from one end of the yard to the other, you know what you need to pick up. So you're not wasting time going backwards and forwards. Yeah. For me, that was a massive thing that I learned. I only have a certain number of steps in my legs a day yeah. before my feet start to really burn, and I basically can't walk. Mm. So every step has to be of optimal usefulness. So, yeah. take a wheelbarrow with you. If you need to, if you're not going to be able to carry everything in your arms, take a wheelbarrow with you, load it up and take it to the other end of the yard with all the stuff you need don't make two trips
0: yeah i think that's a great one that's a great hack so when do we find out or when do you find out about um tokyo then is it just a waiting game at the minute to see what the world's like or uh, are they sort of planning to go ahead and and unless something else changes
1: at the moment we're all plan- we're all guns blazing we're planning to go ahead um we have to believe it's going to go ahead because it's not something you ever do half-heartedly. Uh, Paralympic Games is is an all-in affair. Unfortunately, you know, yeah.
0: unfortunately,
1: you can't sort of go, mm, well, mm, well, I'll just do half the job. You do the whole yeah. job, or you do, or you don't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so
1: it's total going for it. The middle of July, we'll find out whether or not. Um, I've been selected
0: that's that's the plan okay so if if well I'm gonna say you're being selected, so when you've been selected, when do you then fly out um when do you fly out and when does it all start really for you? Well,
1: the horses start their sort of pre quarantine stuff the middle of this month okay. Um, the, we're already, because of Brexit, we're already on a 40 day quarantine period before horses can go into the EU. Okay. So we've got to do, we've got a 60 day sort of observational quarantine period before the start of, before they fly to Japan. Got a forty-day observational period before they go to the EU. They've got to go to Arkan for pre-export quarantine, right? Before they go, they then fly to Japan. Okay, so it's a long
0: process, isn't it? It's a very
1: long process. <laughs> um, it's, it's not entirely straightforward. Um, there's a lot of stuff which is a little bit up in the air. Um, Japan, I don't doesn't sound like it's the easiest country to move horses in and out of.
0: No. Um,
1: they have pretty strict um, biosecurity rules, so a horse has got about nine um, disease tests she's got to go through before she can be exported. But yeah, it's the same for every horse, and yeah. it it's actually good you know it, you feel like it's an inconvenience in a way but it's not an inconvenience it's good it means the horses will be safe
0: yeah exactly and uh, I mean all those security checks are just on the horses god knows what's going to happen to you guys when you get over there. And oh, you're going to have to quarantine we've got,
1: yeah we've got like pre-quarantine quarantine and pre- games quarantine and then we're in we're divided into different bubbles within the team to yeah. minimize contact and prevent any transference um yes yeah. yeah it's yeah. a challenge
0: I, it's, a, it's, it's definitely going it's, to be it's, a challenge yeah this is going to be a games
1: like no other games um it just when we do the meetings, it's just there is so much stuff that is unlike in other games. Yeah. And it is it would be an amazing privilege to be part of this games because the extraordinary effort that is being put on to be able to hold this thing.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean putting a games on is always an extraordinary effort. Yeah. But this is just taking it to an extremely high next level. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It it makes you realise how important this is to the world. Yeah. Beyond the sport, beyond the athletes or the grooms or the support team staff, the world see the Olympics and Paralympics as this important that they will go through this many hoops to hold it and yeah. that is just an extraordinary privilege to be part of something that is deemed yeah. to be that yeah well, significant
0: i've got everything crossed everything crossed that it you know we're all going to you know it's all going to go ahead and it's we're not going to have any problems out there and it's all going to be all okay hopefully so right i end my podcast with some quick fire questions so generally are you a night in or a night out gal? i'm a
1: night in girl i'm permanently exhausted pigeon
0: (laughs) Uh, are you tea or coffee coffee all the way all day (laughs) um so wellies or heels i'm thinking wellies wellies. yeah Uh, (laughs) sweet or savory oh this depends on the day of the week i think Okay, so what is your go-to sweet? What's your go-to savoury then?
1: Go-to savoury is cheese, although cheese makes my body flare, so I have to avoid it. Yeah. And sweet, anything sort of toffee-ish, fruit basically anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and are you book or film? It depends how tired I am. Okay,
1: but so. if I if I'm tired, then I want someone to force feed it to me. So it's definitely a film. If, what was
0: the What was the last film you watched?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I um, yeah, that actually that has completely blown me. I have no <laughs> idea what I last watched. I probably was that tired, though. I didn't even notice I was watching it. <laughs> That's usually... say to me, oh do you remember this and I'm, no no not at all did that happen I was oh. asleep
0: oh bless I you start...
1: I'm terrible because I start watching films and I just doze off
0: yeah I'm exactly the same quite often in the evenings I start watching a series or something and I've fallen asleep halfway through the first episode and then I've got to go back and watch it again and yeah I'm terrible I'm always fast asleep um, so where can people find you on social media so like so are you gonna sort of journal your journey from now to the Olympics Paralympics well my Facebook
1: page Burt Sheffield Paraquestrian Rider is where I do most of my sort of this is my Paralympic journey or this is my you know I talk about my horses I talk about my journey I talk about disability Um, I do most of my sponsor stuff on there. It's about sort of my athletic life. Excellent. And Heart Horse Dressage, that page is more about my coaching and more my business side of things. And then my Instagram is a bit of a mishmash of both. My Instagram is Heart Horse Dressage.
0: Excellent. Oh, I can't wait. I've got to like i'm definitely following you on i think i'm following instagram but i definitely got to follow you on facebook cuz i really want to see that journey um and see you at the paralympics and champion you on as a canadian <laughs> Can't have
1: wait. you found my have you
0: found my youtube no i don't think i have what are you on youtube i'm
1: bert sheffield on youtube i oh. haven't yet che- that over to Heart Horse Dressage I've been but I'm virtually on YouTube and on there we do a lot of stuff which is training videos and quite a lot of behind the scenes and stuff in the stables and I've done a little bit of ASMR because I love ASMR it really helps me sleep yeah and the ASMR that wonderful time where you're in the stables with the horses sort of really bonding with them and having that that lovely relaxing time with them that's so important I just it just lends itself to ASMR
0: I've just literally subscribed to you now so I'm on there now Oh bless you!
1: that's what I doing. Uh, I I love I love doing the YouTube stuff I find the editing of it really it it's a nice creative process as well yeah yeah
0: getting it Um, all together
1: yeah, so there's there's a lot of stuff to follow. Um,
0: yeah, I I have tried Twitter, but I'm, Twitter and I don't agree. No, I'm not a fan. To be fair, I'm going to put my hands <laughs> up. I'm not a fan of Twitter at all. <laughs> Seems to cause more drama than it's worth.
1: Oh, I'm just not very. You have to be that concise, don't you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Bert. I really, really appreciate your time on here. Because like I say, I know you're a busy, busy lady. So thank you so much. Um, And yes, everyone, if you can please follow on the social media that um, Bert has mentioned and YouTube. And if you can take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag us in, we would really appreciate it. So thank you so much, Bert.
1: Thank you, Carly. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please would you subscribe and leave me a review. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to find me on my social media, I am on Instagram under Cobb's Equine Shop underscore services and on Facebook, I am Cobb's Equine Shop and services. Thank you so much and I'll speak to you next time. making it if you um, like to follow me on socials my um, instagram is cobs at Crime services and the same on facebook cobs at Crime services um, if you are listening to this on your um, apple or spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people and I will speak to you all on the next episode